Good evening, everybody. <clears throat> I want to uh, start by thanking uh, CIS for giving me such a wonderful month uh, in your beautiful city. But uh, I have to say, I, I was hoping to get away from Donald Trump, and nobody will let me. No matter where I go, uh, uh, people want to talk about Donald Trump. So that's why we're here tonight. Um, I will be mentioning the very odd fact that uh, Donald Trump got a lot of female voters. That was not, that was not supposed to happen. Um, but I'm going to only lead up to that fairly slowly. So uh, be patient. Um, now, Jeremy uh, alluded to this uh, most mind-boggling of moments during the election when um, uh, Hillary Clinton uh, said that awful word. And um, I just want to read you the full statement because um, it's, kind of, it's kind of interesting. And if you're anything like me, your mind, your memory could use some jogging. Here's what she said. If I were to be grossly generalistic, I would say you can take Trump's supporters and put them in two big baskets. There are what I call the deplorables, the racists, the haters, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it, and the people who are drawn to him because they think somehow he's going to restore an America that no longer exists. So just eliminate them from your thinking because we've always had an annoying prejudicial element within our politics. She went on to say that the people in this basket are quote unquote irredeemable uh, and quote unquote not America. Now, um, Trump eventually went on to win about 59 million votes. And though I'm no Trump fan, I do not believe uh, what Hillary Clinton, or uh, by extension the Democratic Party, was implying here. That means that about 30 million Americans are irredeemable racist haters. That may have been a, a bad moment for the Clinton campaign, but it wasn't exactly so bad for the deplorables themselves. Clinton had said out loud what the Trump supporters assumed people like that Democratic nominee already thought. The professional and creative class, journalists, artists, CEOs, left and right, politicians left and right, all the people whose work lives are spent in front of a computer screen, load them. Um, so as you can see, they took advantage of, the, um, of this gaffe, if that's what it was, by Hillary Clinton, uh, and turned that into t-shirts, sweatshirts, bumper stickers, welcome mats, and so on. Uh, in, in fact, though, it's a very serious uh, moment because the episode brought into focus a very profound economic, geographic, class, and cultural divide that uh, Jeremy referred to earlier. Uh, and it is a divide which I'm not alone in worrying uh, is a very serious danger to the country. Uh, you may have heard that the United States had a, um, a, a movement early, uh, that was in 2000, and I'm going to get the date wrong, but I think it was 2004, the Occupy movement. And the occupiers said that the big divide was between the 1%, the plutocrats who, who worked on Wall Street and Hollywood, uh, and then the tech industry on the one hand, the rest of us slobs on the other. But this always seemed to me the, to be the wrong way to frame what ails America. The biggest source of our divide is not the 1% and the 99%. Actually, it's an education divide. 
And that education divide showed up big time in this election. Clinton's supporters were a mass of degrees, and I, I don't know that these are the same degrees that you have here, but maybe you'll recognize some of them, the BAs, the MBAs, the MAs, the PhDs, the MDs, and the JDs. College-educated whites, and I'm going to stick with whites for now uh, because a race so vastly complicates this topic in the United States. Uh, the college-educated whites preferred Hillary Clinton by 15 points, and actually this represented a big shift from the uh, previous election where uh, Mitt Romney won among uh, well-educated whites by 14 points. So there's a big shift from uh, the Republicans to the Democrats of, of uh, well, the well-educated whites. Trump supporters, on the other hand, were uh, less educated. They typically had a high school degree with perhaps a year or two of college. Whites without a college degree um, uh, preferred Trump by 23%. And only 19% of Trump voters have a college degree. This also represents a big shift in the parties. Uh, the Repub Republicans saw a big jump in support among working class, including union members, who in previous years would have stopped speaking to their own mothers if they had dared to, grow, to uh, vote Republican. Now, there are two other gaps, two other divides that are closely intertwined with this education divide. And the first up is a geographic divide. Those with more education move to where the interesting and high-paying jobs are, knowledge economy jobs, that is. And that means they go to cities, um, especially in the United States, the cities along the east and west coast, um, especially New York and DC, uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco, but also other places, Seattle, Portland, and Boston, and so forth. But um, America remains um, far more a nation of medium-sized cities, small towns, and, and um, uh, the like, than people, and especially people like me who live on the coast, tend to realize. The less educated are more likely to live in those places, uh, and they have not moved to cities. One fascinating study of Trump voters showed that they were homebodies, that is, they were living in close, in close proximity to the places where they were born. That's not the case with the more educated who are nomads, moving to cities with the best university or job offer, not to mention the best cappuccino and wine bars. To illustrate this uh, geographic divide, I have a little map for you. This is a map of the election results in my native state of Pennsylvania. Now, I think you probably already know this, but let me just mention, in the United States, we signal um, Republicans by red and Democrats by blue. So notice that the map is almost entirely red, with a small patch of blue uh, on the left side and a bigger one on the right side and a couple in, all in, the, in the middle. So, Philadelphia, uh, excuse me, Pennsylvania has two big cities, Pittsburgh, that blue smudge on the, on the left, and Philadelphia, the bigger one on the right. It also has a university town uh, where the Pennsylvania State University lies, and that's smack dab in the middle. That's that blue spot. Uh, and it also has a capital, which is in a, a rural county, 
that blue, that other blue spot, um, which is called Dauphin County, and uh, Harrisburg is the capital there, and you're more likely to get a Democratic electorate there for the simple reason they work for the government. And uh, our Democrats uh, always vote for, uh, our government workers always vote Democratic for reasons we can discuss if you don't, can't guess. <laughs> now, um, uh, since 1992, Pennsylvania had voted Democratic. Uh, and the moment the returns started coming in on the evening of November 8th was the one where to, TV pundits started to look at each other. And I know my husband and I started to look at each other and wonder whether everything we assumed to be true wasn't. Now, along with the education and geographic gap is unsurprisingly an income and occupation divide. Early on in the Trump saga, a lot of people assumed that Trump supporters were very low income or perhaps even unemployed, but that wasn't quite right. They turned out to be working class and lower middle class, not just factory workers and miners, but also accountants, small business owners, contractors, plumbers, electricians. Trump made huge gains among these voters. Um, Blue-collar places where Democrats traditionally had their base, like the Rust Belt states of Michigan, Wisconsin, and small-town Pennsylvania and eastern Iowa, these were the places that gave Trump his, uh, his victory. Um, Clinton voters uh, were more likely to have jobs in finance, in media, in design, and the professions, uh, and in academia. This was a complete reversal of the traditional post-World War II alignment. Uh, instead of the working class going for the Democrats, it went Republican, and instead of the wealthy going for Republicans, they went for the Democrats. So there's quite, quite an enormous uh, transformation. I think it's best to think of these political divides, education, geographic, and income this way. The Democratic Party has become the parties of the winners in a po global post-industrial economy. The people with uh, the knowledge jobs living in prosperous global cities or quasi-Bohemian college towns. The Republican Party has now evolved into the opposite. To, pl uh, to put it uh, perhaps a little too bluntly, it is the party for the losers of that econ economy people who have either seen half the jobs in their factory move to China or Mexico or into the claws of robots or who know well the communities where such things are happening. We have some very interesting studies to support this view of globalism's winners and losers. A Gallup poll, for instance, from this past summer found that Americans with a favorable opinion of Trump reported relatively high levels of financial anxiety compared with those holding an unfavorable view. And another, an economist named Jed Kolko crunched some data to find that white men, older adults, and the less educated, that is the sorts of people who did vote for Trump, are the most likely to be employed in work that's expected to decline over the next de decade. It's also important to mention, um, especially because this is an area where I've, I've done a lot of work, that there are very high rates of family breakdown uh, in the red state uh, counties at this point. The counties that flipped from Obama in 2002 to Trump in 2016 had higher, uh, significantly higher rates of single parenthood than the typical Republican pattern. 
For decades, family breakdown in the United States was largely limited to minorities, particularly blacks and Hispanics. Uh, that has changed uh, over the last decades, and now 29% of births to white women are, are also outside of marriage. That's up from 17% in 1990. And that's almost all uh, people without a college education. Now, the white working class, these deplorables, have the bleakest view of opportunity in America. This is uh, perhaps would surprise a lot of Clinton voters who are used to hearing so much about minority and particularly black discontent. But it is white, poor, and working class that is most pessimistic about their children's future and most likely to say that hard work will not lead to success. Uh, and it gets actually a little more depressing. Uh, in, a, in a paper that really stunned epidemiologists and poly, policymakers alike, uh, two Princeton economists showed something shocking. For the most part, Americans are living longer than they were a decade and a half ago. Everyone, including blacks and Hispanics, was living longer, as you would expect in a rich country like the United States. There was everybody but one group, middle-aged American whites without a college degree. Deaton put it this way, life expectancy is much of Appalachian. That's one prominent district of the Trump voters that stretches from western Pennsylvania way down into uh, northern Alabama. The, the life expectancy there is below the life expectancy in Bangladesh. The biggest driver of this uh, rise in mortality, an epidemic of suicides and afflictions stemming from substance abuse, alcoholic liver disease, and overdoses of heroin and prescription opioids. In short, the election revealed that there are two Americas. They live uh, in different places. Their children go to different schools. They have less and less in common in the hopes they have for their country and in their understanding of what it takes to make a good life, but also in their tastes in television, food, sports, uh, sports stars, and cars. Uh, one of the favorite uh, exercises of data journalists in the United States, and I, I don't know how much you have that here, but these data journalists are now among the most influential in the uh, US, uh, was to draw maps showing things like this. Trump, uh, Trump won 76% of counties with a cracker barrel. Now, a cracker barrel is a very low-end uh, sort of southern uh, restaurants with uh, fried chicken and then and um, uh, grits and that kinds of thing, but 20 and he only won 22 percent of those counties with a Whole Foods, which is <laughs> okay. You know what Whole Foods is. Uh, Republican counties, uh, people in Republican counties, people watch Duck Dynasty, but in Democratic counties, they watch Modern Family. And in Republican districts, the favorite sports figure is a martial arts score, uh, star, whose name I, I, uh, I've never heard before and can't even repeat. And in, de in, in Democratic counties, it's Serena Williams. Thanks to data journalists, we could actually play this game all evening. But uh, actually, trivia really reveals something serious. The Whole Foods, Serena Williams, and modern family crowd, the cosmopolitans, if I can put it that way, run the country. They run the media, they run Washington, they run the cultural and financial institutions. They're in charge, but they don't much care for the little people, the Cracker Barrel crowd. 
insofar as they think about them at all. Remember what Clinton said, just eliminate them from your thinking. Um, they uh, used to be called hillbillies, rubes, rednecks, perhaps white trash, and now they are called racists, xenophobes, homophobes, Islamophobes, and sexists. Uh, Michelle Goldberg, a respected up-and-coming left-wing journalist, wrote, Trump's presidency still feels like a nightmare or an occupation. Remember Hillary's words, they are not America. And think about what those statements suggest about the American polity. Now, no group has been more detached from the deplorables than feminists. Over the past 15 years, most major newspapers in the United States and news websites have hired uh, young women pretty much fresh out of college to be specialists on gender. And they help feed the narrative that Trump would never reach the White House because women would be thrilled at the prospect of breaking the final glass ceiling. They wrote articles chronicling the disgust women felt for the sexist comments and stories of groping by the Republican candidate. Headlines like, Republican women are done with Trump. Republican women feel betrayed by their party. And of course, they were dead wrong. Close to 90% of Republican women voted for Trump. 53% of white women, 62% of non-college educated white women went for the tycoon and reality TV host. Um, the gender journalists are from one side of America, the coastal, urban, college educated side with little understanding of or interest in the military wife who lives in small town Ohio or the, uh, works in a canning factory in Iowa. About 90% of our journalists are college educated, and that's a big shift from 30 years ago when journalists were often the sons of policemen and, nurse, uh, policemen and nurses. One out of every five media jobs is now located in New York, DC, or Los Angeles in 2014. That's up from one in 10 in years prior. We really lost our local press, uh, and that I think is part of what fed into this misunderstanding of what, the, what was happening. Um, after the uh, deplorable comments seized the headlines, one journalist at a popular website wrote, the funniest part of all of this to me is that Clinton was basically saying what everybody in the press corps has been saying. Uh, and their sneering attitude towards large sections of the country, the deplorables, the irredeemables, pay, played such a big role in the rise of Trump. I want to end with this point. From the perspective of the, of the uh, cosmopolitans, uh, and not, not, this is not just in the United States, history was moving towards an enlightened, tolerant, global identity in the European model. They uh, imagined themselves on the right side of history, and they alone understood its movement. Their political and cultural opponents were on the wrong side and would inevitably be defeated. Perhaps that's true, uh, but it didn't work out this time that way. When one of the most important uh, economists in the United States, former head of the Federal Reserve, uh, Alan Greenspan, testified in front of Congress about the causes of the global financial crisis, he said, and I love this, it's so bland, there was a flaw in the model. <laughs> so there was one major flaw in the elite education, excuse me, election model and in the barrier to their progress, and that is the deplorables. Thank you. Thank you.